Hello, my friends. Michael Youssef here, and I just wanted to thank you for connecting with Leading the Way. Our entire team is wholly committed to passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth of God's Word, and it cannot be done without you. Learn more about what God has charged us to do around the world by clicking around ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. Every one of us would love to hear good news, that dream job that you got or that application that got accepted or the surgery that was successful or the lost child that came home. All these are good news, and we rejoice in good news, but the Bible speaks from cover to cover about the good news, the greatest news of all. What is it? That a repentant sinner can be eternally saved. The good news is that a guilty person can be set free from guilt and sin, that an empty person can be filled of the Holy Spirit, that a desperate life can rejoice again, that a sorrowful person can be comforted, that a life, whether it is short or long, can be meaningful, that our mortal life can live forever with Jesus in heaven. That's the good news. And it is the good news of the entire Bible. And the prophet Isaiah speaks of that good news both locally for his time and then prophetically as he looks down into the coming of Jesus Christ and the proclamation of the good news of the gospel. And I want you to turn to Isaiah 52.7. The prophet Isaiah said, How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace who brings good news, who proclaims salvation, who says to them, our God reigns. I'm sure that the prophet was inspired by the Holy Spirit as he writes these words. Uh, At that time, no doubt he was not aware that the day was coming when that good news and the feet that he's talking about is the footprint of the preaching of the gospel around the world. We talk about footprint, and Isaiah talks about the beautiful feet that brings the good news. Back then, of course, they had runners that brought good news. These runners were there observing the battlefield, and as the military wins the victory, he runs to the town where the king lives in order to announce the good news of victory. That's how they did it back then. Today, We have all sorts of footprints. There is airwaves footprints. There is satellite footprints. And the good news of Jesus Christ is now being proclaimed to the end of the earth. But as you know, I always put the passage in its context. You can't take a verse and run with it. You get into trouble that way. The good news that Isaiah was talking about and longing for is the good news of God's people being set free from the exile in Babylon. The good news that he was longing for is the deliverance of God's people from their captivities. Uh, The good news is being able to go back to Zion again, to worship God again. But you also have to understand what was happening during that time in order to understand what is happening in our time, because this is a mirror reflection of what is happening today. It will give you an insight into understanding where we are When Israel persisted in living in rebellion against God, 
when continuously kept running after other gods, when uh, continuously would worship Jehovah on the Sabbath day and then all sorts of idols during the week. And as Israel refused to heed the call of God by prophet after prophet after prophet, and God is so patient, so long-suffering, for literally several hundred years He would call them to Himself, and He plead with them, and they would not repent. And finally, God permitted His people to be taken into captivities. Now remember this. This is the people of God. These were the apple of His eyes. But God comes to a point and He says, enough is enough. Enough rejection of me from your public life. Enough rejection of me from your schools. Enough rejection of me. And time came for the people of God to be taken captives into Babylonia. The Babylonian army came in, and they grabbed kids out of their mother's arms. They hunted men and women like animals. They grabbed whatever and whomever they could, and they deported them to Babylon. And that was painful. It was horrible. It was dreadful. It was devastating. Ah, but as time wore on, many of the next generation of exiles, of God's people got used to the Babylonian lifestyle. They liked the godless living of Babylon. They got wrapped up in the Babylonian materialism. They got wrapped up with the Babylonian sports. They got wrapped up with Babylonian sensuality. They got wrapped up in Babylonian entertainment. They got wrapped up in Babylonian idols, and they forgot about their homeland, and they forgot about their God. There were faithful remnants like you read about Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. They were representing the few faithful people who have longed for God to give them good news of deliverance, to send them good news of setting them free so that they can go home again, so they can worship Yahweh once again, that they can physically and spiritually be in the presence of God once again. And they looked forward for that day of good news. Indeed, this is a picture of our day where so many people, God's people, are so wrapped up in all that this world has to offer. They are wrapped up in false belief systems. They are so wrapped up in entertainment. They are so wrapped up in politics. They are so wrapped up in sports. They are all wrapped up in all sorts of trivia in life. But it's a picture also of those who long for freedom from sin, uh, those who long to be liberated from addiction, those who are desperate to know the truth so they can be set free, those who are longing to hear the message of the cross, those who are longing to see the prison bars of their life to be broken and turned to the Lord, those who were so blind and stumbling, but they long to be able to see those who have been misled by false religions and those who are misled by false religious teachings and they longing for the good news. Now, I believe God raised this church to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just in this city, but around the globe. In fact, that is the exclaiming of Isaiah. If you read the words in the original, how beautiful! It's exclaiming about the beauty. How beautiful! He was not referring to the feet themselves. <laughs> 
This exclaiming is about the speed by which the good news is delivered. Listen, the feet may be ugly and smelly. The feet may be rough and tattered. The feet may be hard and callous. That doesn't matter. The beauty is in the good news and the speed by which that good news is delivered. The beauty is in the movement from mountain to mountain, from valley to valley, from town to town, from home to home with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if Isaiah lived in our time, he would say, How beautiful is the courage of that believer who takes the gospel and share Christ with his neighbor across the street or with his neighbor in the workplace and wherever he may be or she may be. And of leading the way, he would say, how beautiful are the airwaves that reaches into the darkest corner of the globe. How beautiful are the satellite signals that enter into many lonely and desperate homes. And how beautiful are the websites that bring hope to the hopeless. How beautiful are the voices that fill an empty life with the Word of God. This is, beloved, the power of the gospel. Not the proclaimers of the gospel, but the gospel. The power is in the gospel itself. And that power knows no geographical boundaries. It knows no separation of distance. It knows no hindrance of language. That power has no distinction of culture. That power is the power of the gospel when it is faithfully proclaimed. We are seeing the power of the gospel in this place and around the world. We have seen how the gospel can turn somebody who's indifferent toward Christ to become passionate lovers of Jesus. We've seen how the power of the gospel can transform a life of a terrorist to being a saint, uh, transform a life of an atheist to being an evangelist, how it turned a heart of a loveless person to become a caring individual. That is the power of the good news. And Isaiah said very simply, it proclaims that God reigns. That's his very simple two-word message. (laughs) That God reigns. That's the good news. That God reigns in the heart of a repentant Muslim or a church-going American. All the same way. God can reign in the heart of a repentant agnostic or a repentant secular humanist. In the same way, God can reign in the heart of a repentant Hindu or a backslidden Christian. The same way. At the prophet also telling us something more than that. This, this is a very powerful verse. He is telling us that the power of the gospel not only brings forgiveness and cleansing, but it also transforms a life of a former enemy of Christ into the image of His Son. Many years ago, there was a Canadian missionary. His name was Jonathan Goforth. (laughs) Great name for a missionary. Jonathan Goforth was called of God to go to China. And when he got to China, an old hand, a missionary who's been there for years, gave him a bit of advice. He said, you know, Jonathan, when you get invited to speak to the heathens, do not start by talking about Jesus. They really are prejudiced against that name of Jesus here. Just what you need to do is to demolish uh, idols and demolish their arguments, uh, demolish their false gods and the false idols. Then if you get invited a second time, you can talk about Jesus. 
Well, Jonathan was so deeply troubled. He really was. He was, he, he was in agony. And he went home. He shared this with his wife. And they both agonized in prayer. How can that be? How can we let those opportunities slip through our hands? And finally, he was quoted to say to his wife, Never, never, never the gospel which saved the down-and-out souls of Toronto is the same gospel that must save Chinese. Several years later, missionaries were coming to Jonathan asking him, what is the secret of your success? How come you're leading so many people to Christ? Here's what he said. I simply believed in the power of the gospel. And then he continued, he said, I shared the same Jesus with a proud Confucius scholar and the common people, and the gospel saved them both. There is no royal road to God, rich and poor, Canadian or Chinese. They come to the Savior the same way. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of Him who brings good news. Beloved, listen. Today, we are seeing the failure of the so-called seeker-friendly, watering-down gospel, uh, soft-sell Uh, Don't tell them about Jesus for a long, long, long time, and they would be dead by then. And don't turn them off by talking about the cross. It's very offensive to talk about the cross. Remove it from our building. Entertain them with lots of drama first, and and, and stay in pre-evangelism for a long time. And it's failing miserably. Do you know why people try to do these little techniques and, and, and all this stuff is because they have failed to believe that the power is in the gospel itself. They think it's in the marketing strategy, and they think it's in their clever methodology, but the power is in the gospel. It's in the name of Jesus. And if spending time talking to people of different ethnic groups around the world for the past 30 years taught me one thing, it taught me that people would rather hear the truth up front than all of those clever techniques. Our world is filled with bad news. Our world is filled with anxiety and anxious people, filled with anger and hatred, is filled with uncertainty and fear. Our world is filled with doubt and turmoil. And that is why today we need more than ever before to stop playing games in our heads and begin to tell the good news of the gospel. Leading the way embarked on a mission. Bring the good news of the gospel to 3.9 billion people. And we chose those 20 languages that are most spoken languages of the world, most of whom do not have a near neighbor who can hand him a pocket New Testament. And to be truthful, after I stated that vision, which I believed was from God, I became filled with anxiety. I was filled with apprehension. Questions. How in the world are we going to get the money to do this? How in the world are we going to get the personnel? How in the world are we going to get partners to help us with the follow-up? And on and on and on and on. And then the Lord met me in a very unique way. And He said, I'm the one will take care of the details. All you need to do is obey. For it is my power that does the work. The power is in my gospel. And today, as I read emails and letters and reports and responses, 
I get so overwhelmed. First, I really get overwhelmed at my own lack of faith. And secondly, more importantly, really, I get overwhelmed at the faithfulness of God. I'm overwhelmed at the faithfulness of God to His Word and His faithfulness to His promises. And I said, why am I surprised when I get a letter from a young actress in Australia who came to the Lord and listens daily and has strengthened her to stand up in a most horrible subculture in the acting world? Why am I surprised when I get a letter from the valleys of one of the towns in Indonesia or from Tehran, Iran, or wherever it may be? I get so overwhelmed by the power of the gospel at work, and Isaiah said how beautiful it is on the mountain when the feet of him who brings good news. But there's something else I want you to notice in this verse that I don't want you to miss it. Look at it again. Isaiah does not speak of the beauty of the eye of the person who's bringing good news. He doesn't speak of the beauty of the lips that announces good news. He doesn't speak of the beauty of the hands that carries the good news. No. He specifically talks about the beauty of the feet. What does he mean by that? It means, beloved, that we need to go where God takes us. It means that we must serve where He leads us. It means that we must sacrifice when He directs us. It must mean that we need to do what God says. Not long ago, a young preacher was called to one of those traditional churches, and, and he really was having a hard time, and he was struggling, and, you know, they're half dead, half alive, and and um, finally, he went to one of his mentors, and, and, and he was asking his advice, you know, am I doing the right thing? Is this, am I going about it the right way? And finally, his mentor asked him a question. What percentage would you say of your members who are active? Well, he thought for a moment, and he said, well, he said, 50% of them are active for the Lord, and the other 50% are active for the devil. And his mentor scratched his head. He knew the church. And he said, well, what do you mean active for the devil? He said, by their neutrality. By their neutrality. And beloved, this is no time for neutrality. Neutrality can only benefit the devil. The time is short. The hour is now. The opportunity is today. The good news is only good news if it gets there on time. Several years ago, I saw in uh, Kensington Garden in London, there's an electronic clock of four dials, east, west, north, south. And under each dial, there are two words, carved letters, time flies, time flies. And there's only one answer to that urgency. And that is the speed by which we take the gospel of Jesus Christ across the street and across the world. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news. For years, ever since I really became a Christian as a young man in my late teens, one question that kind of always disturbed me, God obviously had a purpose why that question was bugging me, and through seminary, and then I had the joy of serving in a global ministry. And I, Okay, thank God for the thousands who are coming to Him. But who is going to reach the hundreds of millions who have never heard the gospel? 
I was always a question that really kind of rang in my ears, and I, I kind of shrugged it off, prayed about it, and for a long time that question troubled me. I didn't realize that what God was doing is getting me to answer my own question. God has an incredible sense of humor. But you must surely know, you must surely know that my preaching is as effective as the generous hands that writes the checks and the generous hands that volunteers and stuff envelopes and answer phones and, and do all kinds of things. They are the beautiful feet that combine together to bring the good news that says, our God, what? Reigns. You know, I say that to the glory of God, and after Kingdom sat, this channel, television channel, 24-7, became a reality. I had to confess to the Lord for dragging my feet and really what uncertainty in times. And so when Joshua initially said to me, he said, you know what we need? We are on our European satellite, but we need to be on an Arab satellite platform because that would give us a, a really vast number of families who may switch a European satellite because of all the junk, but they would listen to an Arab satellite. And I said, that's impossible. The great man of faith that your pastor is, I just want you to know that. And so when he called me, after we'd been on the air for a while, he said they've been watching our channel, and the largest Arab satellite is inviting us to broadcast on their platform. I said, no way. <laughs> Beloved, I, I have feet of clay just like everyone else. I really do. And what is being done is truly a testimony to the power of the gospel. It really is. Not the power of the preacher. Preacher has no power. Now over 120, 140 million homes in the most desperate parts of the world are hearing the gospel. When God guided our steps, many of you carried our feet. And I thank God for you. And as we keep expanding the footprint of gospel preaching, God's message, still the gospel. God's mission, still the world. And God's method, still the proclamation of the gospel. And the question is, what part, what part would you have in seeing that the gospel is proclaimed across the street and across the world? With us today in this service, a couple from Little Rock, Arkansas. They've been listeners and supporters of Leading the Way in Arkansas. And in June 1st, 2009, their son, Andy, 23 years old, an army recruiter in an army uniform, was gunned down by a Muslim terrorist, not in Iraq, in Little Rock, Arkansas. A few months after his death, his mother sent me a letter with a check She said, we want to help take the gospel to the very people that killed my son. Beloved, that's supernatural. The question that you must ask yourself, what am I going to do? How am I going to make my life count? How can I serve? And as we go to the Lord in prayer, 
Do not let go of God until you answer that question. Lord, what would you have me do? Our Father, our hearts are filled with so much gratitude and thanksgiving to you. And the most amazing thing is your grace can raise a dead soul and a dead spirit. And your word says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You did not wait for us to improve because we would never be able to do it. You did not wait for us to become good. We could never be without you. But your grace saved us. And Lord, we want to take that message of grace that saved us across the street, across the desk, and across the world. Will you, Father, give us a genuine Holy Spirit awakening to realize that the times are short. Time is short. That we may know to count and number our days and have a, a spirit of wisdom. For, Father, we know you're a mighty God who answers prayers because we pray them in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.